What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for being here with me for this Thursday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. You guys can hit me up over on Twitter at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. You guys never miss any of my fantasy baseball content if you are following over there. My articles, these shows, my Twitter threads, everything is over there. So go ahead, uh, throw me a follow if you guys can. If you missed yesterday's show, we had John Legaza on from The Athletic. It was a great show. I think it was actually the longest one we've ever done here. An hour and 15, an hour and 20, something like that. We talked AL Futures bets. We talked McClanahan and Alcantara. We talked about some young stud arms. Uh, Jamison Tyone came up for a while. It was a really good discussion, so I really recommend you guys go ahead and check that one out. Going to be giving you guys a pretty standard show today. There's not so many great matchups to look forward to today and tonight. So we're going to maybe breeze over that one a little bit quicker than we usually do. But we'll still look back on yesterday's top performers and we'll look ahead or look at the waiver wire and see who's being added and dropped today. When we look back at yesterday's top performers, though, the highest scoring player, and you might want to check this one yourself because I don't know if you'll believe me, but it was actually Albert Pujols. He went four for five. He had two singles, a double, and a home run. There's nothing to be done fantasy-wise here, but this is really a great thing for me. I grew up loving Albert Pujols. Whenever there's a night like this where he is in the news, for whatever reason, it's always a great thing. He's got eight homers, 26 RBIs, and a 244 batting average. Nothing to really write home about. Over the last month, he's 14 for 42 and batting 333 with three dingers. Doing exactly what the Cardinals wanted, I think. Not that they really had high expectations, just someone who can play the odd day at first. Not really regularly at all, but... We saw in that series in Toronto, Paul Goldschmidt couldn't come, so Pujols was the first baseman there. He's a morale booster for the city and for the people in the clubhouse with him. I, I like I liked the move uh, at the off, in the offseason when they brought him back, and I think it's been a really good thing for them as a whole here. No, Nothing fantasy-wise to be done. Uh, if you used him in DFS yesterday, you're probably very happy with yourself, but there's no uh, season-long fantasy move to be made with Pujols. Unless you're feeling very brave in a very deep league and want to take a chance on him. There is no point, though. It would just be more as like a team mascot kind of thing more than anything else. Something you can do, which is kind of funny, is like, I know some people who did this. If you know your fantasy championship is wrapped up the day before the season ends, then add a couple of guys like Pujols just to, I don't know, give them the fantasy championship. I know some people do that kind of thing. 
it doesn't matter really. It's just, you know, looking back on your roster, oh, Albert Pujols was on my championship team. It's kind of funny stuff like that. Maybe Miguel Cabrera or somebody like that. Anyway, not a big deal, just something kind of funny. Let's move on to Nestor Cortez. He was the highest-scoring pitcher yesterday. Despite allowing three runs and the Yankees did not win the game, he struck out 10 over six, allowing three hits and one walk. The strikeouts have been a little bit inconsistent with Nestor this season. We've seen double digits on three occasions. Uh, two of them, or one of them was in April, one of them was in May, and now obviously yesterday. But we've also seen the likes of, you know, four, four, three, four kind of strikeouts. So a little bit inconsistent there in terms of what you're getting. But in terms of the ERA and the ratios, a 267 ERA, uh, 1.00 whip, nine victories. Hard to really complain about what Nestor's given you this season. I pulled off a trade in my home league the other day, and I tweeted about it. Uh, I gave up Tyler Anderson, and I got back Michael Harris. And I could have given up either Anderson or Nestor Cortez in that deal from what I I was gauging from the uh, opposing manager. I could have gone either way. And I chose to give up Anderson because I just have more faith in Cortez. We saw this last year from him, not to the same degree, but we saw that he was capable last season. Whereas Tyler Anderson, this is really an outlier kind of season. They both benefit from playing on really good teams, and they're going to get more wins than they probably would elsewhere. I just have a little bit more faith in Nestor uh, going forward for what it's worth. Let's talk about MJ Melendez. So first off, he's jumped up 17% uh, roster-wise on Yahoo. He was 44 last week. He's up to 61 as of the time of recording. He went 3 for 4 yesterday. He had a home run. He scored a couple of times. For the season, he's got 14 homers and 40 RBIs, a 237 batting average. And the key thing, I've said this many times with talking about him and guys like Dalton Varsho, Catcher slash outfield designations are just so beautiful. You can put him in every single day, more or less. I mean, obviously, he'll get the odd day off, but you're getting a guy who can be plugged in every single day into the catcher slot. It's very rare that you can have one of those guys who's not a full-time catcher. I mean, he catches most of the time. He's played uh, 81 games this season. He's caught 55, uh, 13 in the outfield, 50 in DH. You'll, you'll absolutely take that kind of split, especially because he's playing, you know, six out of seven kind of thing, you know, maybe one day off per week. I think he's absolutely a must roster player in any league, 10 teams or deeper. We talked about this Monday or Tuesday. I uh, can't remember exactly which day now. He hit the home run on the Sunday. So I think it would have been Monday's show. We talked about how he really needs to be on rosters. He's a lot better than, you know, the average fan might think, even though he plays for a poor team. Go and scoop up Melendez if you still can. 61%. It's not going to be easy, but uh, go ahead and see if you can scoop him. Let's talk Justin Steele. I really like Justin Steele here. Uh, he went six innings, gave up eight hits, two earned runs, and struck out nine against Washington. People are really singing his praises uh, last night and this morning. And yes, uh, he's done very well over these last two starts. He's pitched 10 and two thirds. He struck out 19 batters. That's ridiculous. Only two earned runs. It's great. Now, you have to really take it with a grain of salt what he did against the Nationals. It's been the team that everybody is just beating up on recently. You could literally stick out, you know, any old pitcher, and they're going to do well. Not to disparage uh, Steele or, you know, take away from what he did, but it's not as impressive to me seeing this recent string of starts that people have had against the Nationals. They're just truly terrible. Like, they were bad with Soto and Josh Bell. Now they're just brutal. Uh, the game before that, it was against the Marlins, another team that doesn't exactly, you know, hit the ball very well, just to put it plainly. Yes, 10 strikeouts and four and two-thirds, very good stuff. But at the same time, are we trusting Justin Steele down the stretch here after we've seen 
pretty inconsistent pitching for him. I, I don't know that we are here. The strikeouts have been kind of there, but there's also times when they're completely gone. Like, yes, 10 and 9 is great. As recently as the 22nd of July, five innings, two strikeouts. Going back to June, seven innings, one strikeout. Uh, it's, you know, and there's also games with 10 and 9, but there's also, you know, twos and threes in there. It's, it's similar to Cortez, more extreme with Steele, but you don't know what you're getting any given time out. He plays for a god-awful team. That's why he only has four victories, despite, you know, a 363 ERA, which isn't bad. The whip is terrible at 141. But I think if he was getting wins with the 363 ERA, you'd be able to live with that whip. But he's not. And I don't think it's really necessary to go out there and use an ad on Justin Steele. It's just, for me, it doesn't feel like he's a must-roster player. Now, he is in line to face the Nationals next week again. So if you want to add him maybe a day or two in advance of that next start, and stream him in, then absolutely, uh, no no harm there. I just think when you're you know looking at players to drop and you drop someone who you see as more of a mainstay, I, I don't know that that would make sense for Justin Steele. He's still pretty fringy as far as I see it here. Brandon Drury hit himself another home run yesterday. He, honestly, I was worried. I was a little worried before the deadline, thinking he's going to get out of Great American Ballpark. I figured he'd go to a better team because it's really not a high threshold there with Cincinnati. Figured he'd be on in a better lineup, maybe batting a little bit lower, maybe you know some kind of platoon or something. But from what we've seen so far here with the uh, with the Padres, I think that Brandon Drury is going to be perfectly fine to hold on to. It has not been all smooth sailing. He only has I think four or five hits in the week or so, or what is it, eight days since the deadline. Now, it's been okay for him. Other than these couple of home runs he's hit, he hasn't done so much. But over the course of the year, he's been one of the biggest surprises yet. I saw a couple of people dropping him. It wasn't, like, crazy, but I think when I was looking at uh, percentages, it did go down slightly. I don't, I don't think that that needs to be the case. There are maybe some shallow leagues, but I, I can't even advocate that. Uh, yeah, it's not very much. It's just, like, 93 down to 92%. But there are some people who, who are not comfortable holding Brandon Drury anymore. I don't agree there. He's eligible everywhere in the infield except for short and in the outfield. He's playing on a really good team. Uh, even if he misses the odd day here or there are some rough patches, he's still going to be someone who is absolutely worth a roster spot. Let's talk about Leody Tavares here for a second. Of course, last night he had a really good game after everybody's been dropping him recently. He was two for four with a double and a triple. He knocked in five runs, which was obviously the big score of the night there for him. This doesn't change my outlook on Tavares. Uh, he was someone who did a great job over the course of maybe a month or six weeks, and you kind of had to be foreseeing that there was going to be either a time we had to drop him or try and aggressively sell him because he was overperforming like crazy. I've mentioned it many times, but his BABIP was like in the mid-fours, which is just unsustainable. It's just it's something that was very easy to look at and say, this is not going to continue with Tavares. And to people's credit, they have moved on from him. It's not like they've gotten so attached uh, he has been dropped in a lot of leagues. I just worry that people will see this and start to add him up again. It's not necessary. Uh, it's really not. If you look at the trend, so he's down 15% over the last week. Uh, if we're looking at just today, Leody Tavares has been added by 336 teams today on Yahoo. I wouldn't be doing it outside of very deep formats. I think most formats, you're perfectly safe to be dropping him. If you want to try and sell him based off of last night and 
you know, whatever manager you send a message to say, yeah, you know, he struggled a little bit. He's overall done very well. And even just look at last night, he had five RBI, you know, send something like that along with a trade offer. Maybe you get lucky for me. I wouldn't be rushing to add him. If you have him, uh, I would be pretty, pretty okay to drop him here as well. It was a good game, but you can't expect that kind of thing every single night. Let's talk about Justin Verlander, who did something he has not done in like a month and a half. He gave up more than two earned runs. He threw six innings, gave up five hits, three earned, one walk, and seven strikeouts against Texas. Does this change anything for him? Probably not. No, it's three earned runs. It doesn't, you know, we were talking with John Legaza yesterday about the AL Cy Young and could it be Cease, McClanahan, what's going to happen here if someone, if one of those three guys bows out or has a couple of bad starts, then it'll be a two-man race and it's really hard to tell exactly what's going to happen between Cease and McClanahan and Justin Verlander. But I think, honestly, we're trending towards Dylan Cease with the Cy Young. Not that this is bad at all. Three earned runs over six innings is totally fine. And he'd won his previous one, two, three, four, five, six, seven starts. So, you know, you're, you're afforded the odd blip on the radar. I just think that Dylan Cease is trending really in the right direction here for uh, for some Cy Young votes. Now, Verlander has the whole, you know, Hall of Famer legacy thing going for him. I would not be surprised whatsoever to see Dylan Cease just sneak ahead of him there and steal the Cy Young in the last couple weeks of the season. I think we might be going that way. Nothing to complain about, really, about Verlander here. I just think it's interesting. Uh, we have some very close award races here. And even Julio Rodriguez, you know, he's coming back, I think, uh, is it today or tomorrow? I'm not sure. If he is not fully healthy and he can't, you know, stay on the field these last month or so, I think Bobby Witt Jr. is going to be Rookie of the Year, personally. I think there is some wiggle room here in the American League, uh, not just for betting purposes, but just for the, the average fan to try and predict who's going to win which awards. I think there's still a lot of, uh, a lot of open territory there when we're trying to figure out who is going to win what. Speaking of Cy Young and Cy Young contenders and whatnot, let's talk about Sandy Alcantara for a second here. He went seven and two-thirds. He struck out four batters. He allowed four earned runs, eight hits, and one walk. Now, it all kind of fell apart for him in the eighth inning. Before then, it was pretty smooth sailing for him. ERA is pushed up over two now for, for what it's worth. Now, he's another one where I don't think the Cy Young is totally locked in, guaranteed to go to Alcantara. We talked about this at length yesterday. I'd really recommend you guys go back and check this one out. But I think Corbin Burns honestly has a decent chance to slide in here in these last couple of weeks. I mentioned it. uh, We've talked about it a lot, really, on this show, about my worry level with Alcantara. And John made a great point yesterday that last season Alcantara threw, when the Marlins were already completely out of the playoff race in September, there was back-to-back games where he threw eight innings. And that's that's promising in and of itself, but are they going to do this every single year? And it's just it doesn't seem right to me that they're going to just jack up the innings for for no reason. 166 innings is what he has already, which is going to be more than a lot of pitchers end up at on the season. I don't know that we're going to see late in September the kind of starts we are hoping we see out of out of uh, Sandy Alcantara. I just don't think that we can expect that same level of dominance once we hit the 200 inning mark. There will be some attrition in the arm. And I don't think the Marlins will push it quite as much. So I'm still a little bit worried here about what we're going to see from him as a whole. I'm not, I'm not out on him at all because that would just be stupid. But I am definitely not as high on him as most people in the industry. Uh, let's, let's put it like that anyway. Joey Gallo hit himself a home run yesterday, and he's actually looked not too bad so far uh, with the Dodgers playing as kind of a platoon guy. 
I don't think that he's an ad at all right now, but he's definitely somebody to keep in mind if he starts to get regular playing time, if he, you know, gets some kind of lower and let's it's probably gonna happen if an injury happens or something. I don't think that they'll just insert him into the regular lineup. But if he does start to get regular playing time, I think being out of New York is gonna do a lot of good for him. I would keep him in the back of my mind. I wouldn't be adding him or anything, but definitely somebody to to think about uh, as the season goes on here. Let's move on now to our waiver wire portion of the show, where I essentially just go through the most added and dropped players today in fantasy. Vaughn Grissom, who's been added in more than 13,000 leagues, is by far the most added player today. He was 0% rostered, and now he's up to 25%. Didn't take very long, but when you hit a home run and steal a base in your first ever game, and not to mention at Fenway Park, people will start to take notice. Now, he is eligible right now, currently only at shortstop, but he will soon gain it at second base. I believe it's you have to start five games at a position or appear at the position ten times to gain eligibility. That's what it That's what it has been. I'm not sure actually this year, but I, from what I remember, if you start there five times or if you just you know appear at a position ten times, then, then you're solid. Swanson's the shortstop. He's going to be playing second. He will have that eligibility soon. And I really think that he is worth a speculative add in 12-team leagues and deeper. If you're talking a 10-team league, you're probably going to have some better options. You could maybe even argue it, uh, depending on your league's uh, settings and roster construction and everything else, whether you have middle infield and corner infield slots versus you know just a second base and shortstop slot. Uh, different formats, you know, it's very different lines of thinking and a different opinion I would give based on that. But if you're talking a standard 12-team league and deeper, I would be pretty all in on him just because the main reason really is that people are saying this is very similar to what happened with Michael Harris, who I am a big fan of, acquired him in my home league, very happy to have him for the stretch run. It's a redraft league. I'm happy to have him for the next six weeks or so. They're comparing Vaughn Grissom to him in the similar way that he can come up and he can be a productive five-category player pretty much right off the bat. And you hear that, and I hear guys who I trust in the prospect world a lot more than myself, guys like the Welsh, Chris Welsh, Eric Cross, James Anderson. These guys know what they're talking about, and they follow it very closely. We have to take them at their word when they say that these guys need to be added because they follow this a lot more closely than I do. I know the top 15 or so prospects and generally maybe even maybe 20, and I know the Blue Jays system very well. But when you start talking about, you know, double-A guys with Atlanta, I don't know. I think most of you guys don't really know much about Vaughn Grissom here. You have to rely on the people who know the team, who know the prospects, who know the dynasty world, and they are all telling us that he needs to be added. So I'm definitely going to be deferring to those guys in this situation. They know their shit. And with Von Grissom, what we saw yesterday, man, like he's he's worthy of an ad here. Every league, 12 and deeper, maybe even there's a 10-team league where you got a ton of different middle infield slots and utility and all kinds of different bullshit going on. Then, you know what, maybe he is a 10-team guy. But for right now, my rule of thumb is going to say, 12 and deeper, Von Grissom is worth a spec ad at least. Drew Smiley has also been scooped up quite a bit today. Now, he's pitching at Great American Ballpark tonight. Makes me very nervous. Makes me very, very nervous. He's been not too bad over the last month. 21 innings, 17 strikeouts, a 3.00 ERA. For the season, he's just shy of four in the ERA department with substandard strikeouts, to be perfectly honest with you. I'm not really in here on Smiley. It's not a great streaming day as a whole. There's only, I think, seven games happening, and one of them has already started here. One, two, three, 
four, five, six, seven, eight games today. It's honestly like almost impossible to pick a matchup of the day here, which is something I do every day. Look at the best pitching matchup that I'm going to be focusing in on and watching. It's not really one to be watching tonight. Uh, it's very slim pickings. There are a couple of guys who I'm going to be talking about as decent streamers, but for the most part, I'm leaving these guys alone, and Drew Smiley is not someone that I'm going to be too, too interested in. Let's talk about Paul DeYoung. I've seen some arguments on Twitter in the last couple of days between different analysts about Paul DeYoung and about whether or not he is worthy of an ad. And I'm going to say what I usually say when a player is you know, riding the hot streak. If you want to pick him up and drop him again when he's cold, by all means, you should have a spot in your lineup, at least one utility slot, where you just rotate every week or every two weeks or every few days the hottest player in baseball. And he's not maybe the hottest player in baseball, but he's on a short list of guys who are really excelling at the moment. The last two weeks, he's hit three thirty three with four homers and 13 RBIs. I'm not I'm not sold on him long-term or anything, but if you want to add him in the interim, maybe for a week or two, and then he cools off, you drop him, I'm not going to give you grief. Don't think that he's you know a savior for your team, league winner kind of guy, because he's not. We've seen in the past you know, he can hit 25, 30 home runs, but I wouldn't really expect that kind of power here down the stretch. For the season in 110 at-bats, he's batting a buck 91. It's not a massive sample size, but he's never a big batting average guy. He's going to give you some power if you need a little short-term boost there, then... He's your guy, but don't get too attached. Randall Gritchuk, he's also been added up quite a bit, and he has been on a hell of a run this last month. He's 29 for his last 88, which is a 330 average, 12 runs scored, three homers, and 21 RBIs. Over the last week, he is 11 for his last 22. Uh, he's really done a great job, uh, you know, since he's been playing regularly here and having value, especially this last month or five weeks or so. I see him as more of a, a five-outfield kind of guy in just standard three-outfield, 12-team league. I, I think he's iffy. Uh, if you're talking any five-outfielder or 15s, then absolutely. Uh, I think he's an iffy 12-team guy, but he's another guy who falls into that pocket of Adam while he's hot. If you need to drop him, then go ahead. Um, but for right now, I, I'd be I'd be happy enough to stream him in, at least for the short term. Uh, he's done a really great job playing in course field. He, he's more sustainable than Paul DeYoung. I will say that for sure. Let's talk Edward Cabrera. His game is just getting underway here at 1 o'clock. Interested to see how he does against the Phillies. Uh, he did very well his last time out against the Cubs. He gets a tougher opponent here today. He's been added, you know, a decent amount. There's a lot of guys being added ahead of him. But uh, he's someone I'm going to be keeping my eye on. As soon as I'm done recording this one, I'm going to be sticking on uh, the Marlins and Phillies game. Let's talk about Nick Lodolo here for a second. He's going to be starting against the Cubs at Great American Ballpark tonight. He's been a lot better recently. Now, there have been a couple of rough starts mixed in there, the most recent time against Milwaukee and against St. Louis a few weeks back. But when you take away uh, some of the rougher stuff, the strikeout numbers have been improved. Overall, he looks a lot more comfortable. I'd be, you know, he's probably the best streaming option available today. For the most part, I'd say avoid streaming if you can. But the best options were Cabrera, if you were able to get him this morning. Or Lodolo, if you can still get him uh, before tonight. I think those guys would be my preferences. Rowan Wick has been added up in a bunch of leagues today. He has saved the last couple of games for the Cubs, albeit against Washington, but still he seems to uh, be the closer there. If you are in need of saves, there's not so many great options still available. Maybe you can get a Felix Batista in some leagues. Probably not, uh, but you know, I think Wick is probably your best bet here if you are desperately in need of saves. Tommy Pham, 
He's been added up a little bit, and he has homered in three straight games here for the Red Sox. He's a, I think he's more of a fringe guy. This is a nice little streak he's on. I see him as more of a fringy kind of 12-teamer, a 15-team league, yeah, um, and borderline in 12s. That would be uh, how I see Tommy Pham. Not, nothing really that sexy. This is a nice streak, but don't expect home runs every single night out of him. Let's move on to the drops here. The number one is Ryan, I believe it's Pepio for the Dodgers. Uh, he gave up four runs against the Twins in four and a third. He was more of a streamer here, so no problem sending him back to the waiver wire. He'll get the odd uh, stream here and there against the poor team. Maybe you consider him, but uh, yeah, he's he's definitely someone you can be dropping today. Justin Steele, I think he's a little kind of iffy here, but like I said, he does have a start against the Nats again next time. So maybe if you streamed him, you just hold him for that next start here. If you don't have him on your roster, I wouldn't be rushing to add him, but I think that he can have uh, some value here, at least for that next start. The strikeouts I mentioned have been a little inconsistent. You don't really know if you're going to get 10 or if you're going to get 2. I think that national start is a good is a good spot to use him for and then drop him afterwards. Madison Bumgarner, he's been dropped quite a bit. He gave up five earned runs yesterday. He's a deeper league guy. Uh, he could be a fringy kind of streamer in 12s, but uh, for the most part, I think it's okay to move on here from Bumgarner. Paul Blackburn, he's on the 15-day IL. with uh, It's listed as inflammation in his right middle finger. Man, he's already been so disappointing recently. I still cannot believe he was an all-star. He's got to be dropped at this point, I think. If you're really desperate and you just need any warm bodies there in the rotation, then maybe you, you hold on and hope that he comes back and he's okay. But I, pretty much every single league, I'm going to be all right in dropping Paul Blackburn. Mitch Keller, he's also been dropped quite a bit. He allowed three runs on five hits in five and a third against the Diamondbacks. That's not a bad outing, really. And over the last month, he's got a 2-4-5 ERA in 29 innings. I think I would still probably be holding on to Mitch Keller if you added him. I liked what I've seen out of him recently. He's not There's no you know, desperate need to be getting rid of him or anything today. Johnny Cueto, he's also been dropped. He allowed three runs. Two of them were earned in six innings uh, Wednesday against the Royals. He's had value this whole season pretty much. Uh, 102 innings, only 68 strikeouts, which is obviously not great. But he's got a 291 ERA, a 122 whip. I don't know. I think Johnny Cueto is definitely like a fringy 12-team guy. The FIP and the XFIP have shown that he's overperformed, but he's been doing this consistently now, like every single start for pretty much the whole season. So overperforming, underperforming, whatever it is, he's doing it every time. So I'm I'm happy to add Cueto in anything deeper than 12. And then I think 12, he's fringy slash starter, but, or excuse me, fringy slash a streamer. Um, anything deeper than that, though, I think you have to you have to take the chance on Johnny Cueto. Even if it's not going to be great the whole time, uh, you still have to take a chance. Let's take a look now at our remaining pitching matchups for tonight. Really not the sexiest, but uh, we'll go through them quickly here anyway. So Framber Valdez is going to be taking on Cole Raggins for Texas. I'm not sure who Cole Raggins is, to be honest with you. He's made one start, five innings, uh, three strikeouts, four walks. It looks like a great night to bet on the Astros or use them in DFS, to be honest. I don't know who that guy is. I'm assuming he's a call-up. Not somebody that you have to be too, too worried about. Uh, that game's going to be starting in about an hour. We have Dylan Cease and Zach Grinke, which is probably the nicest one that you're going to see here matchup-wise. Uh, Dakota Hudson and Herman Marquez. JT Brubaker and Merrill Kelly. Uh, Dean Kramer and Josh Winkowski. And then Drew Smiley and Nick Lodolo. Nothing that's going to really make you want to, you know, pick up the pen and write home about. 
I'm, I'm trying to avoid streams if possible here. If you're going to be using one, if you already said that you're going to be using one, if it wasn't Cabrera earlier, then it should be Nick Lodolo tonight as far as I see it. If Merrill Kelly is still available anywhere, I doubt that any competitive leagues you can still find him. But if he is, then I would be adding him. He's, pr- he's over 80% now, so it's unlikely. But some people really didn't buy into him just because it's outlier. And he's not the greatest pitcher, obviously, but he's done very well so far this year. If he's sitting available in your league, then he would be a great stream, but it's not going to be many places. Guys, that's going to pretty much wrap it up for me today, though. I do want to make a quick little announcement. I've talked about this a few times, but we are hiring here at Sports Ethos. We are bringing on people for basketball, for football, for baseball, writers, podcasters, team coverage, whatever it is that you want to do. Baseball-wise, specifically, reach out to me. But if you guys are interested in any kind of sports coverage, whether it be you know writing a daily article or a weekly article or a team podcast, one thing I really want to do here at Sports Ethos is start a Dynasty Baseball podcast. Not me personally, because I don't know enough about it to, to be informed on the subject, but if there's someone out there who's really interested in the minor leagues, you guys follow the stats, you play a lot of Dynasty, I want to hear from you and I want to see if we can work something out. Because obviously it's not going to work out for everybody, but if you have an interest in this general field, if you feel comfortable talking in front of the microphone and editing and all that stuff, then by all means, uh, shoot me a message. I'd really like to try and expand our baseball program here and not even just podcasting. Podcasting is definitely a big part of it, and it's, it's probably the most fun part of it, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm a journalism major, so I like to write, but for the, for the average person, I think that podcasting is it's pretty fun. Um, you know, you just get to talk, especially with a co-host. I mean, I'm on my lonesome here, but if you have a co-host, which we could definitely talk about, you and the co-host go back and forth, talk about your favorite team, maybe it's your buddy, uh, something like that. I think that could be an opportunity for a lot of people that they don't really think about. Remember years and years ago, me and a good friend of mine were going to start a podcast, and then we never did it because there was never really, you know, a, a platform for us, and we kind of were lazy. This was in high school, at the end of high school, or maybe we were just just out of high school. But we never did it. And, you know, if you have a company behind you like Sports Ethos does, supporting you and sharing out your links and stuff like that, it really gives you an added incentive to do well and to want to succeed. So reach out to me. Even if it's not podcasting, maybe you want to write an article. Maybe you want to do some DFS stuff. Maybe it's whatever it is. Uh, shoot me a DM on Twitter, at JoeOrico99. I'd love to hear from you. You know, obviously this would be more of a next season kind of thing. This year's ramping down. But maybe you're into football and you want to write some football. Maybe you want to cover the Denver Broncos. Maybe you want to, I have no idea. There's so many different things out there in the sports world. Even if you're interested in hockey, let, you know, let me know. I don't, we don't really have much hockey stuff right now, but we are happy to expand in any way possible. So at JoeOrico99, tweet at me, DM me. Also Dan Bespris, who is our assistant GM here. Aaron Bruski is the number one head honcho guy. And then he doesn't deal with the day-to-day stuff so much. That would be myself and Dan Bespers here, myself on the baseball side, Dan for you know the basketball and everything else. Reach out to one of us if you're interested. Hopefully we can uh, work something out here because I know that I'm very happy since being with Sports Ethos. It's given me a platform to write, to do these podcasts, something I wouldn't have been able to do on my own, at least not to the same extent. So if you're interested, reach out. That's the best way you can do it. We'll be back here tomorrow. We'll look at some weekend streamers. We'll recap today. We'll look at the waiver wire, do all that good stuff. But guys, hit the five-star button, subscribe to the podcast, do all that great stuff, follow on Twitter, and we'll be back at you tomorrow. Cheers, everybody.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.